Welcome to the Sanctum. Here we study the mysteries of Dungeon Crawl Classics and Appendix N. With your keepers of mysteries, Jen Brinkman, Mark Bruner, Bob Brinkman. Enter the Sanctum Socorro and be inspired. Welcome to the Sanctum Sucorum Podcast, where we plumb the depths of Appendix N as it pertains to the Dungeon Crawl Classic role-playing game. We're here to help you serve these literary offerings at your DCC RPG table. I am one of the Keepers of Mysteries, Bob, and with me tonight are Keeper Mark. Good evening, everyone. And Keeper Jen. Hello. And tonight... We examine the Python-esque adventure film, The High Crusade, based upon... Can I do air quotes on a podcast? (laughs) Based upon the novel by Paul Anderson. Jen, tell us what just happened. Um, well, there was this movie that we were made to watch. Um, Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, It is the year 1345, and upon having his wedding day interrupted, Sir Roger, Baron de Turneville prepares to lead a military force to the Holy Land. Late that night, an enormous silver spacecraft lands outside the town. It is a scouting craft for the Wurstgerix Empire, a brutal dominion light years from our solar system. The aliens destroy a tower, kill a watchman, and flatten a pony. That dead pony is a step too far. The Wurstgerix attempt to take over Earth by testing the feasibility of its colonization. However, the aliens, having forgotten hand-to-hand combat since it was made obsolete by their advanced technology, are caught off guard by the angered Englishmen. The villagers and soldiers in Ansby storm the craft and kill all but one Wurzger, Branathar. The band of crusaders find themselves in possession of an alien ship and the alien to pilot it. Armed with the means to conquer the Holy Land, the naive crusaders set off on a grand crusade, only to find themselves not in Jerusalem, but at the mercy of their captive-slash-pilot. Heaven help the aliens. Oh, yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Heaven help the viewer of this movie. Uh, <laughs> See, it's a little painful. Like this movie. I have to say, after watching it more than a week ago, and then we obviously had different times of when we watched this, and then coming back and sort of revisiting it a little bit, it did grow on me some. But I had a pretty strong reaction to the first time I saw it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you know, it's we're it, still friends, right? It, it's funny because I enjoyed the movie, and then I went on IMDb and I looked at the reviews. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, apparently, uh, people that have read the book hate this movie with a fiery passion that makes American politics look quaint, <laughs> and those who haven't read the book love the movie. And there's really no middle ground, apparently. Now, for the first 10 minutes of the movie, it could have been any number of movies set in a medieval courtyard. A little bit of slapstick, perhaps, you know. Yeah, you're right, a little Python-esque. But 
some of the older movies, you know, made between the 60s and the 80s, trying to be a period piece, they all, at least to me, kind of have that same, that same feel, that same vibe to it. So for the first 10 minutes, it doesn't suck. Yeah, I mean, I think that the problematic things are from a, there's some technical cinematic, you know, issues. It has a very videotape feel to it rather than a large yeah. sort of scale movie. The musical score is not the best and, you know, it, it just, it's repetitive. It's, it's sort of overwhelming most of the sequences. Come on, that could be Hans Zimmer on any piece. That could be, yes. And and then when you have the Ronald Emmerich presents, but it's not, yeah. it's, his association sort of lingers after that. You could tell it's not got the backing of the, you know, the highest kind of production quality. But that being said, I mean, there's some excitement when you first see some familiar character actors, you know, you see Rick Overton, who's playing Sir Roger, and he's a familiar face from things like Groundhog Day or Willow. And, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to see him in, in this kind of role. Or John Ray Davies as the... There, it's a really well, he good He was my cast. favorite. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, th- I think that the actors themselves, apart maybe from some of the very, very... Uh, very poor choices by Red John. <laughs> who I made- Red John, like, stole the movie. <laughs> Now, to be, fair, to be fair, there were three versions of this movie. So there's a version where the aliens, their dialogue is dubbed in English with silly voices. There's one where the aliens are subtitled. And there's one with neither. And, of course, dear listeners, guess which one we watched. Um, Luckily, it was so, not the one with funny voices. No, we, we watched the one where they were not dubbed at all. They weren't dubbed. They weren't subtitled. So when the aliens spoke... It was truly alien. Yeah, which I, I thought was actually kind of interesting. But overall, this was Yellowbeard in space. All yes. this needed yeah, was Cheech yeah. and Chong, who were in Yellowbeard. <laughs> and this would have been the high crusade. Oh, I no. Mean, this, was just, this was so silly. Paul Anderson refused to watch the movie. He, he said that he had been told on good authority that it's a piece of botch work. <laughs> and uh so so that's where it started the the i i have read the book or i have written the book divide started right there but i i thought it was fun yeah i mean i i have to say it's it's i don't know if it was so much characterized by the fact that i read the book before but i think that did play a part in my my feel for the movie the book itself is and we haven't reviewed it yet and, and you know hopefully we'll get a chance to um you well, know we're reviewing it after the movie yeah, I think I think it's it's a good thing to do it after the movie. It's kind of a an interesting book. It's a little middling in terms of like what I would, I'd place it for the appendix and sort of you know overall pantheon of books. But you know, it is a richer book than the movie you know sort of gives itself off as. So My what, understanding is the movie really reduces the scale and scope. It does, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it, it is a true crusade that has its its own sort of ups and downs for Sir Roger. He's he's not necessarily a likable character in many ways, but he's the one that wins in the end. And there's complexity, you know, that this one is is very much, you know, in the vein of a Monty Python-esque comedy. There's all these over-the-top sort of elements with the Frenchman who's, you know, the tutor of <laughs> <laughs> Lady Catherine. It's just, I mean, it's just a, a very, 
you know, silly the, sort of the, concepts. The, the going Frenchman on. who, when finally confronted, him, like, "Oh no, you you cannot kill me because uh, I'm a fellow Englishman." <laughs> right. Oh yeah. my god, that was the, that, I, there. Was, there were so many little twists and turns like that that were so funny. Like at the very beginning, as the messenger is riding up and riding up, <laughs> but I can tell by by the <laughs> terrible form of his riding that he is obviously a farmer from Wales. Isle of Wight, sir. And so as as the Saracens are like, die, English. It's like, I'm from the Isle of Wight, you ignorant buggers. I just, it was just so many weird little zany things going on. The finger thing was creepy, but the rest of the movie, I kind of enjoyed. No, no we're going to bypass that. I loved the sequence with Brother Parvis trying to establish a common language with the alien. And the alien just sitting there, kind of, you're an idiot. No, the earth well, that is was round. Hysterical. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they, there's it's it's nice when everything the crusaders are when we showed them the power of God and they we think yeah. they got it, you know. They, so. yeah. <laughs> and I mean the aliens themselves had these facial features at least in the movie that really did make them kind of hard to look at. They were truly alien. And I think coupled with that language barrier the initial alien, Branathar, was almost a sympathetic character. I mean, I felt more on his side than I did on Sir Rogers. Well, and it was really <laughs> interesting because the aliens, when you talk about their facial features, they all were distinguishable from one another. They weren't just cheap carbon mm -hmm. copies. And so that was that was really neat. Oh, no, you could tell nice the commander effect. from Branathar, from the soldiers. And I really like that. And also, Branathar, played by a woman, because they, of course, don't really have gender. They just have friends. Will you be my friend? <laughs> oh, my God. Ah, no. Ah. Oh. Poor Red John. <sighs> okay, so never judge a book by its movie. Yes. We, we got that part. But the movie was um, fun. The movie wasn't But great. then I, I've also read that there are claims that this book was one of the primary inspirations for the creation of the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronisms. And I just want to go on record as saying that I could totally get a laurel in Snarky <laughs> Bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually, when you read some of the reviews that are that are so blistering, part of them are definitely from members of the SCA. Well, you know, they don't act anything like Englishmen of their period would, and they would, and I'm like, yep, yep. You know, they're all wearing fabric chain oh, mail, God, too, yeah, the right? Hollywood chain Come was on. so <laughs> obvious and so bad. But it was 1994, and it's a low-budget film, so. Wait, 94? Yes. 90, yes, See, I would have expected that for 84. The movie's 25 years old. Cut it some slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The makeup was good, Ow. like you said. Yeah, yeah the makeup yeah. was really good. <laughs> John Rice Davies. Some of the costuming was cool. Uh, there were some interesting touches that I really did like. The was it the biochemical reactor? Yeah, the biochemical reactor. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some things in there that. Yeah, oh, when, well, when they decided with, to, to quote-unquote poison the well, so they threw all the food into the biochemical reactor to poison the water. That was pretty and funny. Then they, yeah, that's, they threw no, all we'll of save the, the beer. biochemical reactor. Mm -hmm. Or the executioners. <laughs> those two executioners were great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I forgot about those. 
They made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Uh, torture him more. And the one is torturing the other one to make the alien talk. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, that was a little bent. Yeah. I, I, it, it is kind of curious why they turned the book into this specific movie. <laughs> you know, what it was that they saw in the book to make it into this. Because, it, they, you know, the book is, is not humorous. It, it's not anything like you know the movie at all you know i'm kind of on and the it, fence of whether i don't or not know i, I kind of wish this now. guy had done a movie for uh, three hearts and three lions because i hated that book <laughs> and a little comedy would have i just gone a long way with it uh, maybe he just maybe he licensed oh, the wrong paul anderson book <laughs> yeah um <laughs> shall we move over to things to stats sure I, yeah just right off the bat as ridiculous as it was I would love to stat up the long range arrow. <laughs> yeah, the, the the arrow that's yeah, like that twelve was... feet long Ow. and and uh, impaled three Saracens to a tree, and took at least one guy to brace it. Yeah, I had my notes: six foot arrow that can pierce three Saracens. You know, just yeah, it was that was just that was fun. Mm-hmm. That certainly set the tone for the movie quite a bit up front. You know, as you could tell. But I think a six foot or twelve foot arrow, whatever you want to do, that's a beautiful sort of campy concept that you could you could stat up really well. It's my father's black arrow. It has always come back because it's too big for us to lose. <laughs> um, I liked the the Wurzger blasters that look kind of like lances. Oh, that they wore over their hands. That they yeah, they kind of fit over their. Yeah, arm. I thought that was something that you could stat up because you know blaster weapons are something that's always good to drop into a game. Keep people on their toes. And the Wurzger certainly could be either a class or a creature or both. It would actually be kind of fun to have something that is that highly intelligent and drop it into either DCC or MCC. And just sort of you know dealing with the primitive screw heads and trying to explain things to them and uh, and them not getting it. Yeah, and, and I mean they, they do have this limitation where they cannot do physical or hand-to-hand melee in some sense, because they've outgrown it, or they've just bypassed it. You know, yeah, they were so pretty long. short. I don't think they outgrew anything, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for the tallest. Yes, yeah, they were ruled by the tallest, you're right. <laughs> and I would love to, to stat up the two executioners, or, or even Red John, although Red John is certainly not PC. But just, so, all right, so what we'll do is we'll take 300 from the right flank, 300 from the left flank, 300 up the middle. Red John. We have 30 men. Right then. Okay, so we'll take 50 men. We have a total of 30 men, Red John. His, his just fallback idiocy was so delightful to watch. And I think he would just be a fun NPC <laughs> to encounter. Now, I have, I have a question for Mark. Yes. For those of us that are on the fence about reading the book, how is Red John portrayed? Oh, it's- he's just, a, he's like one of the captains. I don't think he has any personality, unfortunately. So what he has in the Perfect. movie is a you know complete imagination. I think in the book, if I remember, there's several captains you know that uh, Sir Roger takes with, him. and it, and it's interesting. Like in the book, their decision to you know travel aboard the alien ship is very similar. You know they want to go take the ship and and I think they're going to France instead of to the Holy Land, but they take the whole castle, the all the occupants, all the. The people, the the metal workers, I mean, they, they basically relocate Sir Roger's entire castle in the village that's inside inside the ship and then take them. So they, they have like a colony ship when they're traveling versus having, you know, strictly sort of this military thing. All the better to bring their god somewhere else. Okay. 
Yeah, that it, makes sense. well, because they, they think that they're going to France, obviously, initially, and they want to, they sort of want to <laughs> have this be this sort of moving castle in their like mind. Like the Coneheads, we are from France. Yeah, but it ends up being like this, you know, seed of this empire, because, you know, the story as it progresses, Sir Roger conquers the Worsker Empire and becomes their, you know, the emperor himself, you know, through this <clears> sort of like series of these you know hopping this ship and these people and he also enlists like there's like three other alien races that are like subjugated by the worsker and they you know create alliances with them and so it's a little it's a lot more complicated from a military you know standpoint but the characters not there's not a lot of depth to them you know in terms of like the red john or, or the captains of it that i remember now my understanding is that in the movie there's the scene where he's he's doing essentially his battle boast to, to try and, and sway them about, yes. about his empire that is like 12 solar systems and my understanding is that's from the book <laughs> yeah he, he there's a, there's pretty much like a confrontation with with one of the chiefs of the first planet they land on and and they're at the negotiating table and he's basically having him translate you know, Brother Parvis saying, yes, and and mention my my estate of three planets and my, you know, battle lightning that we will, you know, that we can lay them on. And so that, that's kind of a direct nice. part. Of, I think the part of the text that survived, uh, the, the <laughs> translation of the movie. Red John uh, did not survive, but Red John flowered, we'll say, <laughs> in his own way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I will say the translation scene was was pretty hilarious. Well, what other things would you stat? You know, I was saying Red John should be statted, but as a hireling. Oh, God. Because he's totally a sidekick. Boy, that'd be like Baldrick. Exactly. Exactly. I like the idea of Brother Parvis as an NPC, maybe as the head of uh, one of the temples. Mm -hmm. You, of course, could stat the ship itself. Jeez, you could put that anywhere. The rest of the inhabitants of the castle and courtyard would be zero-level idiots with severe penalties. And So this is a fun. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely it is. Uh, but I also am interested in the cloning technology that the Worsker had. The improved clone. Mm-hmm. That was creepy. So that was my little list. What about you, Mark? I had on on mine at the very top is the the six foot arrow, <laughs> just because it's it, it's one of those things that's mm-hmm. that fits the movie so well. But you could also imagine you know a, a DCC kind of uh, version of it. Oh man, easily. what kind of what kind of mighty deeds would that be? Because that's like a multi person. When, when a longbow <laughs> is is too small, but a ballista is just too big. <laughs> when you have a minimum of two people to operate something, yes. They had those. They had those explosives that they found that were. Oh they yeah. Found, they found in the barrels, and they would, and the, the executioners would be rolling them, and I think it's you know trying to open the doors and things like that. I thought you know those are kind of funny alien technologies, and it turns out they didn't work at all in the blast doors they had. You know, they, there wasn't a whole lot that I found that was directly statable that you guys haven't already covered. I mean, the Wurzgers themselves would be interesting because I, I think that, you know, like the idea of an advanced civilization but having flaws you know clearly they they have some hidden sort of achilles heels when it comes to englishmen you know so that <laughs> i think i think oh. they're because- yeah i'm sorry i just realized why they don't engage in hand-to-hand combat anymore why is that because of friends oh, oh. yes well that would be literally terribly hand-to-hand. sorry i don't shake hands either 
Yeah. You could stat a battering Ooh. ram. You know, I've never seen someone actually stat up a battering ram, and they use one not to great effect in this movie. But uh, that might be kind of fun to create mechanics for a battering ram. Yeah. yeah. How many how many people would it take, and you know what kind of effect yeah. would it have? That's that sort of thing. Yeah, that would be good. Where the heck did they find that thing? I mean, <laughs> they were on board a ship. It looked like they brought it along because I think they referred to it by name. I think it was like oh, old, right. it was like old Liz or something. I don't remember. That's right. They must have oh, they must yeah. have had it from the castle way back in the, the castle days. Yeah, there's much like Monty Python. There are so many parts of this that I just don't want to laugh at, but I can't help myself. Yeah, I, I think the the other thing I wrote down in my notes, but I I don't know why I wrote it on there's things a stat, which is Sir Roger's chastity belt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you would stat that, but you know it was there. <laughs> It itched a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure you're supposed to wear it on the outside of all of your clothing. Maybe so. Maybe it maybe just... it wasn't. Maybe I meant to put that in props and audio suggestions. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring out the chastity belt and just slam it on the table. We're this is what we're doing tonight. <laughs> well, okay. So if that finishes up things to stare at, how about we move over to some prop and audio suggestions? What do you have for us, Mark? So my thought is sort of in lines with, with um, you were talking about the SCA before. <laughs> this really lends itself to having some do-it-yourself uh, swords, do-it-yourself shields, do-it-yourself. You can just get some cardboard out and start. Knitted chainmail. <laughs> yeah, maybe that, maybe that, yeah, the knitted chainmail. You could do finger knitting. You know, my daughter's <laughs> getting pretty good at that. It, 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 and I think that just having those kind of props around, you know, gets the Python-esque you know, sensibility of the movie across and just get, Bonker just get people weapons. up and, and doing stuff, you know, because I think it's one of those kind of fun things that, you know, that the movie is silly. Um, there's probably a chance for some sort of big melee or brawl. And if you have all these props around, I, I, I kind of, I think that destructible props, <laughs> you know, also you don't want to put a lot of work into this. Right. You you just want to, you just want to get some people, some, some nice, uh, shapes and, uh, and, and things to to bash each other with, or or you know you you be the NPC or you have half the table do that. So that's where my my mind went uh, kind of immediately with props because it, it just it it's campy in the movie. It's uh, not much below what they had in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. So the the kids are the aliens. Oh right? man, if they had built that, that's they built that spaceship out of dwarven forge, it would have looked awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or even the tower it took out. <laughs> yeah but i mean you could see yourself sort of like do the whole um run up against the stone wall and beat it with your your sword and then run away sort of thing a few times and, and you get the point um that's where my mind went i, I didn't have much else uh what about you Paul? uh well i figured that you know poster board a little bit of tape and some paint you could recreate the worst glasses pretty well uh <laughs> yeah i suppose you could just do it with traffic cones and spray paint too um <laughs> as they were they were they were kind of that simple uh but i had i had a couple ideas what not even I had a couple ideas for minis <laughs> Um, if you're using minis, you could buy some of that old, well, I guess now people just make it with Elmer's glue because they're trendy like that. But, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, you had to buy slime and, uh, <laughs> create a pool of slime and place it as part of the terrain. So you have the biochemical reactor and you could have little bits of things floating on top nice. of it. Also, uh, you, if you've got. 
I, I would deter your table from throwing well, their yeah, food well, in. Well, I wouldn't though. make it that big. I wasn't talking about using like a wading pool size thing. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you're using minis and you've got, you know, go out and buy a bunch of horse miniatures and just cut the legs off and then stick them out from underneath rubble and boulders and spaceships <laughs> because oh, the, well, the ponies keep dying. That's kind of the, that's kind of the shtick. I never got, they had two out of pony and I never got to ride the pony and ponies always die. Um, <laughs> and you could Make Roger very angry. Yeah, or you could even uh, I don't know if they still make them anymore those water pressure rockets and put one of those up on the table and fire that right into the seal <laughs> now I'll take the players <laughs> off, off guard when the uh, spaceship they're approaching takes off um, musically wow musically um, right off the bat of course the soundtrack to Monty Python and the Holy Grail comes to mind because this is so desperately wanting to be Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Um, there's a couple songs from Yellowbeard that would work. Um, maybe one or two pieces from The Life mm. of Brian. But mostly Monty Python on the Holy Grail. <laughs> that yeah, family. I mean, they had a bunch yeah. of horses, so they didn't have to use coconuts. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's really where the, the differences lie, I think. No, they didn't have a budget. They just had one pony. They just well, they never even showed you that pony. But we did see we did see people on horseback. <laughs> we saw at least four horses. Yeah, so, uh, that, that was pretty much. I was just. Well, I was thinking music, and I was just so perplexed. <laughs> what about you, Chad? I I think Mark was too. Yeah. Um, you know, for props, I'm sitting here thinking all of those settings that you've got for your lego sets can finally play together you've got your medieval set over here you've got your spaceship over here <laughs> uh, and uh. you know maybe turn a couple heads backwards and there's your aliens uh, or find a couple of those large random keys all right, guys, which chastity belt does this go to? <laughs> I still like the idea of the chastity and belt being course. able to, like, absorb a crit before being destroyed. <laughs> Mark said he was going to stab That's him. true. Yeah, we could do that. It's <laughs> the one property it they sure have. absorbed a lot. Uh, that, that was pretty damned important, actually. Uh, and for music, I would go with the original soundtrack to well, this fair. movie. Um, that's that's not a stretch at all, I suppose. But just just to evoke the same feel of bad synthesizers from the nineties. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so just just to point out, though, this is this movie is less Lego appropriate than it is like Mega Blocks. Maybe like one cut down from Legos. I think I this say. is little people appropriate. Uh, Maybe Playmobil. Maybe I'm just thinking like the, the little people, the old little people castle. Because if they had a dragon, it would have been that pink and purple thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Farmer's stupid. Uh, yeah. Totally, but yeah, totally, totally just off brands. Yeah, like Mega Blocks would be a, be a good one. Um, not Weebles, but like Wubbles. That's hurtful. Yeah, this is definitely an off brand <laughs> toy. Go to the dollar store and find the things that are like. So horribly misnamed, and uh, and that's what you're well, looking for. Bob, oh no! Come on, maybe maybe for the spaceship. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, not Very not fine. a whole not a whole lot in the way of props and audios on this one, um, other than what we endured. I, this this movie soundtrack would be perfectly fitting for any number of 
Doug Cons. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. You, you've just done your 16th shot of whiskey. It's time. High Crusade. It's wizard time. <laughs> yeah. Come on. It, hashtag it's wizard time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hashtag it's right, poll time. Right. No, no, that, that, that doesn't work. No, 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 right. no. So, well, let's move on to uh, inspirations and reskins. Please. Because uh, certainly <laughs> that, that has to be safer. Um, right off the bat, I thought that the Tower Out of Time would be a really good fit for this. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. essentially it is a great. rocket to begin with. Um, all you need to do is change all the combatants to to be a little bit more alien, which isn't really a stretch with mm-hmm. DCC to begin with. I mean, everything's kind of weird and unknown. You just have to make make changes uh, to their descriptions that evoke in players that feeling mm-hmm. that they're aliens. And then at the end of the adventure, just launch the players in the tower off into space. And, uh, there you go. The mm-hmm. high crusade. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I thought that any adventure with a powerful wizard, like the Emerald Enchanter or Americal was framed. You could, again, easily replace the wizard with a powerful tech-using alien, and suddenly you're in space. It doesn't It doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, sure, you could use Starcrawl, but Starcrawl is a, a serious system, and I don't want to diminish Starcrawl <laughs> with High Crusade. Um, what? No Black Sun Deathcrawl? No, no, no. Red John Deathcrawl. Red John Death Wow. <laughs> um, and of course, there's the 998th Wizards Conclave, which is literally wizards in space. So you don't even have to really do anything there. Um, there's there's just yeah. so much you could do by just taking an adventure, giving it just the lightest of reskins, and now all of a sudden they're not monsters, they're aliens. And and your players have to have to work around that. It's, you know the the aliens aren't using magic; they're using tech. But you know, the effects could be the same. Oh man! Um, you know we've already featured the 998th Wizard Wizard Conclave, um, but if we hadn't, that would have been perfect. Even down to the very beginning oh, yeah. of it. Well, yeah. what else do you have, Jen? Yeah. I'm on board. Uh, Temple of the Hammed, mm-hmm. because you can't take a okay dang just thing just seriously. for the just for the you can't take this seriously level. Okay. Well, and you know, there's the the medieval setting to it, even though they're on a ship for part of it. But yeah, you you could change the locale and that thing would still play out just fine with that level of incredulity. Um, and odd as it may sound, enter the Dagon. Hmm. Because you have the the powerful wizard characters with their scheduled fights, even on a bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, I was just waiting for spell versus spell to start slinging out uh, <laughs> when when they were doing their little uh, translation Well, we did get a mighty deed with that arrow shot at the end. Yeah, he, he shoots his, uh, oh, well, his yeah. 12-foot arrow into yeah. the into the into door. The button. Into, into, into the button, that's right. <laughs> okay, I, I'm out. Mark? So the one thing that, that just rang right away is the 
Intrigue of the Court of Chaos, there's the one of the, I think, eggs that you have to go get or, or shards that you have to go get happens in a place where you find your doppelgangers. Mm. And you have to fight, and you have to fight like a doppelganger party, oh. and that and that clone that he fights, you know, they they also are not just pure mirrors of you. They have some enhanced abilities, so it, it becomes this sort of um, you know challenging fight in that regard. I I thought of that scene because it's you know you you start with that premise, and you know the party itself is uh, is fighting essentially the Sir Rogers of. Uh, of themselves. Um, but I think intrigue itself has, is sort of kind of like, there's some interesting elements to it. You know, these, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's a little bit of a NPCs are being confronted by a superior power that they have to, um, you know, figure out, do they want to, how do they, how do they want to deal with them? You know, do they, they attempt to confront them directly? Do they attempt to see to some of their demands? Do they attempt to, you know, sort of infight among themselves. So I, I think you get, with some light work, you could reskin it, but really more so for that one scene, uh, you know, in particular where the, where the clone aspect comes into play. And I, I think, you know, it becomes a challenging encounter for the characters and you get, you, and you can always just take that particular challenge and shoehorn it into a sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it lends itself well because all those different scenes that Michael Curtis puts into intrigue are very, separable and you could you know the puzzles right in a lot of ways and you could just mm-hmm. take them out and, and put them into different break them up into different campaigns or different adventures um there's i was trying to find it in my in the notes for the one of the gong farmers armanac but there was a, an article for hirelings oh and and it was a oh, yeah. it it really made me think of you know the sir rogers troop of merry <laughs> misfits you know that that you want to have a little bit more depth to your, um, you know, to your your hirelings that you bring in, and this gives you a little bit of an easy way of of giving you some of that depth. So I'll try to find the exact article I was trying to think of, um, whether it was in last year's Garformers or the one before that, and 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 put that in the show notes. But um, you know, th- that obviously had a lot of parallels with uh, with the movie itself, where the, the hirelings themselves have so much character. Yeah, they really do, and. They really make they they make the movie a lot of fun. <laughs> they do. So I guess that brings us to our DCC feature for the show, "Children of the Fallen Sun" from Thick Skull Games, written by G.G. Joe Stephen Sourdough Newton. Tell us about it, Jim. The star fell from the heavens, its long red tail ripping the sky like a bloody, dripping wound. All eyes of the tribe, mutant, manimal, and plantient alike, were transfixed by the resulting explosion seen far off in the horizon. Some proclaim this is the second death foretold within the ancient prophecy, but one venerable, sentient redwood recognizes it as the sky ark of the ancients, whose mysteries must be explored before they can be exploited by the tribe's enemies. What perils and mysteries will lay within the Sky Ark? Only the hardiest of your species have a chance of surviving the dangers that accompany the arcane ancient technology developed by the children of the fallen sun. Mm. I just say, like, my favorite part of that description is the venerable sentient redwood. Because I just, <laughs> I, I, I just think they already are sentient. We just haven't noticed. They're so old. But that is, yeah. 
Uh, and of I, course, this is for MCC, really not DCC. So that brings us to our MCC feature for the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that well, it, said, it, this is it has the MCC label, but it could yeah. work with either. But we have an MCC I license. Had a chance to... <laughs> 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 I hadn't had a chance to to read this until it was your pick for the show, and it really nice, and it it's a great fit for the movie. It's a great fit for that theme of aliens and MCC obviously is, is the, the one world where it becomes this super separation between the, the tribes and the aliens. And you have all these, you know, the, the artifact mechanics, but I, I agree. This could be a easily a DCC adventure of funnel, especially, you know, if you're, oh, if you're yeah. taking it from a, um, you know, similarity to, uh, you know, to frozen in time, you know, right. where there's a, you know, maybe a tribe of, um, neo primitives who are encountering this and, and, you know, you use the, the DCC rule sets in place of, uh, what happens in MCC. I think it could be a lot of fun for that as well. Well, you could even slightly alter the beginning, you know, as opposed to defending the sky arc from another tribe, maybe the initial battle is fighting whatever's coming out of the sky. Arc. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, you know, the adventure of the spaceship gets skinned for you know, the movie with the spaceship. But the one thing that I always <laughs> thought with with MCC specifically, less so for like Crawling Under a Broken Moon, which which embraces everything at once. But MCC, it, it for me, alien encounters are something to, to kind of hold off on until you've got a few adventures under your belt. And that's like season two or season three of the show as opposed to first season for me. Um, but this is also an adventure. <laughs> so you're not so much a fan of this one as, a um, I'm kind of on the fence about, about using it as a funnel just because it is, I mean, in some ways it's nice because it's very different from some of the other funnels, but for me, and, and this is, you know, my particular flavor, my particular peanut butter and chocolate, I prefer to build <laughs> aliens rather than start. And, and it's, whether or not they're aliens, you know, but I, I, I would like to build to something like that because I think that has more impact. But this adventure also would scale very easily and and totally provide right. a it, It's actually – it is uh, actually written with the intention of being either zero level or – level one to two actually i'm sorry strike that it's written as level one but it's scalable as either zero level or going up to level and two honestly i i think this adventure would be fairly easy to scale up to level three beyond three things get a little weird when you're trying to scale but, but yeah. you could easily scale this up to three so this is something that you know if you've already got a campaign going in mcc you don't have to be kicking yourself that you haven't already run this you can build up to it you can you can play with the concept of you know weird lights to flash across the sky you can introduce the concept um Oh yeah, foreshadowing yeah. is. Um, and I mean, you come on, you know, and this this adventure just like the movie has the whole "I'm going to learn your language" scene, and uh, and that's fun too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, one of the AIs is indecipherable at first, but gradually learns the common speech with a little humor, yeah. even. Um, and it stands to note this can be run as convention length or as something to completely kick off a full campaign or yeah. continue it. There's uh, much like most of 
Stephen Newton's independent works. There's plenty of info and flavor, and you could even go on to repair the ship and and take it to go proselytize whatever <laughs> tribe of Og. I don't know. At the same time, it's also possible to blow up the entire site. So, you know, it's DCC, MCC, same thing. Um, I do like the fact that it's potentially possible to create, uh, but an enhanced version of Sir Roger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you also get some new artifacts. There's a new AI-related mutation. Um, he did announce a follow-up adventure for this that I'm eagerly awaiting, called Ooh, The Seed nice. Vault. So carrying on with the storyline a little bit more, because uh, you can always take it wherever you want, but sequels kind of help. Uh, my favorite favorite tie-in to this is that it gives you more props. Michael Sheridan created a 3D print model of Rock oh, E, yeah. one of the uh, oh, neat. The, okay. the, the machines inside. I'm trying to think, so, is Michael Sheridan the guy that also did like the 3D printed DCC trophies and everything? Is he the guy that's in Lakeland, Florida that we really need to go see? In trophies? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not certain uh this particular model is for single pieces that you can then just glue together so it's not one big huge 3d print but seeing it put together was like oh that's what this thing's supposed to look like that's awesome very cool yeah yeah this this is it's just it's a fun adventure it's a different adventure and it's when and it's like the, the first MCC third party adventure. Yes, third yes, party. it was. So it the, is. It, yeah, and it is indeed. It was a lot of fun to work on, and if you were lucky enough to get a copy of the holographic cover from the Kickstarter mm, backing, which is gorgeous, uh, it's beautiful. Oh my God, and don't we have the 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 mutant copy? Yes, we got a double cover on it. It was one of the misprints. But, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, anything... Hey, being staff has privileges, what can I say? Anything by Stephen Newton's going to be fun. I mean, we've covered a number of his adventures before, uh, both for Goodman and individually uh, through Thick Skull. And they're always good. There's always a lot of meat to them. There's always a lot of plot hooks to them where you can use any one of his adventures as the springboard to so much more. And this is no exception. So grab your mutant murder hobos and... You could absolutely... You know, take on the the faith of the original occupants of mm-hmm. the famine twenty, and and go preach that places. <laughs> so we're all about the proselytizing. But, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, acolyte. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's a good choice. Yeah, it's a good choice. Did you know that the Sanctum Secorum podcast is now available on Spotify? You can actually find us on about a dozen podcast outlets, Spotify, iVox, Podchaser, iTunes, Podbean, Pod Paradise, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Podtail, Stitcher, Google Play, and others. Can't find us on your favorite podcast outlet? Drop us a line and let us know.
In the meantime, if you're enjoying the show, please comment on the podcast or help us by posting a review on iTunes or Drive Through RPG for you zine fans. Those ratings and reviews help new listeners find the podcast, and they sure do make us feel good. Mention us on Facebook, wake us up on MeWe, and still, ignore us on Ello. We hope we've inspired you. Mark, any last thoughts? Don't read the book first. <laughs> <laughs> Jen? I, again, I'm so sorry. And don't forget we have a Twitter account. We do indeed. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night. You have been listening to the Sanctum Secorum Podcast. The Sanctum Secorum Podcast has been a production of Sanctum Media. Copyright 2019.